0: Where you have got your pen your bible your notebook it would be good to write down the scriptures as we go through this study so that later when you sit down in your in the comfort of your home you can look at these scriptures and get sense out of them uh, last Sunday we were Studying the terminology, (coughs) excuse me, uh, the terminology is not. And um, we were saying there are Bible terminologies that we must be acquainted with. Uh, They have more, they mean more than just the ordinary meaning that we know. And I think even in the secular world, a phrase can have more than just one meaning. There are some words or phrases that have more than one meaning depending on how you are using those words or how you are using those phrases. So this Bible terminology is not Um, it has a deeper meaning than the one that we really know we were looking at uh, the book of Genesis the story of Jacob and uh, his sons and so we want to start from there Genesis chapter 42. We were going slowly so that we can properly get the lesson. If we can turn to Genesis 42, we are going to start with verse um, uh, 32. And um, the brothers of Joseph, who is now the governor, Uh, they are narrating the story to the governor. They are saying, we are not spies. Uh, We are genuine. We have come here for just one thing, to buy food. We are not spies. We have nothing to do with the spy network. We are here on a genuine cause. And we are not spies. So, they explain here, We be twelve brethren, in verse 32, we be twelve brethren, sons of our father, uh, sons of our father. One is not. And that one who is not, they are referring to Joseph. And the youngest, who is Benjamin, is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. No. what did they want uh, the governor to understand they said one is not of course they wanted the governor to know that one is dead he says the youngest who is Benjamin is with our father but one died they didn't know they are speaking to the very person they think is dead in verse 36 uh, the story continues when they they come here to tell their father Um, in verse 34 to give you a little idea Uh, Joseph I think tells them and bring your youngest brother unto me then I shall know that you are not spies but that you are true men so I will deliver your brother and you shall traffic in the land so he he took Simeon if you know the story bound him in front of them he said, go and bring your youngest brother. Then I will know, I will understand that you are genuine. Without that, no. So they come and uh, they tell the story to their dad. In verse 36, and Jacob, their father said unto them, uh, me, he have believed Uh, Me, have ye believed of my children? Joseph is not. What did Jacob, Israel, understand when he says, uh, Joseph is not? Certainly he understood, he knew. They had brought him the coat that he had sewn for him, that coat of many colors. And uh, Jacob had understood the wild beast had torn up Joseph and therefore Joseph is dead. So when he's saying here Joseph is not his meaning Joseph is dead and Simeon is not. Now that a a calamity happened on Joseph the old man is saying these sons of mine are just tricking me. I'm sure Simeon also is dead. That's why he's saying Joseph is not and Simeon is not. And you will take Benjamin away? All these things are against me. So, in the, uh, in the, uh, Jacob's mind, he knew Of course, he knew Joseph was dead. And uh, Simeon also, he imagined, was dead. So, then another chapter here, Genesis 44, if we can just go ahead. Genesis, um, (coughs) Genesis 44 verse 19 and 20. My Lord uh, asked his servant saying, have you a father? They are narrating. Have you a father or a brother? They are narrating to their daddy. said that governor asked some questions. Do you have a father? Do you have a brother? It's not that we, we conspired and uh, wanted all this to happen. He says, that gentleman, he really handled us roughly. <clears throat> you needed to have been there. That governor us, handled us very roughly. He thought we were spies. He asked us some questions. I'm just paraphrasing. So, my Lord asked his servants, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead. Now it spells out very clearly his brother. In case you hadn't understood what was being said, Joseph is not. Joseph is not. When they say here, his brother, the brother to the youngest, is dead, then that means this Bible terminology, is not, means, is dead. And he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth, in other words Benjamin is the only remaining uh, child and uh, the father really loves him so when the Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not you remember we were studying the terminologies it is not was not are not so that set of terminologies, So, when the Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not, in Genesis chapter five and verse 24, means Enoch died. Enoch died. He didn't just fly alive soul. Because let me take you to that particular scripture. Enoch walked with God and he was not. And um, Enoch walked with God and he was not. For God took him. You say, don't you see? He was not, God took him. We have have proved, was not just means he died. God spoke him out of existence. Then you say, what about God took him? We are coming to that. It brings us to the next set of Bible terminology. Take away, took away, taken away. That is another set of terminologies. Take away, took away, taken away. Incidentally, if God himself didn't take the meekest man on the face of the earth, you remember the story of Moses. Moses, the Bible speaks of him, God testified of him, a man that was very meek, above all men on the face of the earth. Why didn't God take him to where he is? Why didn't God take Moses? Instead, he buried him in the land of Moab, in the valley. Why didn't he take him? Just reading the word took. And you say, well, the Lord took him to heaven where he is. He didn't. Let's study these terminologies. Take away, took away, taken away. Some are very, very clear. In 1 Kings, let's start here in 1 Kings. Chapter nineteen and verse four. I think we have the story of Elijah here. <clears throat> First Kings chapter nineteen and verse four, but he himself went a days to fetch the story. Jezebel here in verse two sent a message unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do unto me and more also. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow, about this time, Elijah had slain the prophets of Baal. And when he saw that, that is Elijah, he, ar- he arose, and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under the uh, juniper tree. And he requested for himself that He might die. Elijah said, I think I better die. Uh, And he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take away my life. In other words, life can be taken away. What happens when life is taken away? Take away my life. Does it mean just... Take that life uh, to where he was telling God take away that life to where he is. Take away my life. We have already been told he wanted to die. He said, take away my life. It was meaning let me die. For I am not better than my fathers. Verse 10, he still says, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain the prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Elijah is saying, they are seeking my life to take it away. These that were seeking Elijah's life, Jezebel that was seeking Elijah's life, where was he going to take Elijah's life? Were they going to transport it to where God is in the third heaven? Elijah says, They seek my life to take it away. What was he meaning? Were they just going to keep that life? Were they going to transport it? And if they were going to transport it, how were they going to transport it? So, we can say, and they seek my life to take away. That terminology, take away. Took away. Taken away. Certainly, you know very well If somebody is seeking to take away your life, he's not going to take it in a safe place. He's not just going to keep it or take it to God. He's not going to do that. If somebody is seeking to take away your life, you know what he means. When he warns you, he says, I'm going to take away your life. Don't play with me. I'm going to take away your life. Does it mean he's going to take that life to heaven? To, God, uh, to the third heaven where God is, when he says, I'm going to take away your life. So, that terminology means something else. So, life can be taken away, and we are going to see what all that means. Let's come to the book of Ezekiel. Line must be upon line. Line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. In Ezekiel 24, verses 16 through 18, Son of man, behold, I take away from thee, take away, taken away, took away, that terminology. I take away from thee the desire of thine eyes. With a stroke. Say, I'm going to use a stroke. Yet neither shalt thou mourn nor weep, neither shall thy tears run down forbear to cry, make no mourning for the dead, bind the tire uh, of thine head upon thee, and put thy shoes upon thy feet, and cover not thy thy lips, and eat not the bread of men. So, I spake unto the people in the morning and at evening, in the evening, what happened? My wife died, and I did in the morning as I was commanded. So, this is very clear, it tells us that in the case you don't understand, when he says, I'm going to take away from thee the desire of thine eyes, he was meaning his wife, the desire of thine wife. I mean the desire of thine eyes, that was his wife. So I'm going to take her away by a stroke, and explains very clearly we don't need it to be labor. She died when the Lord took her away. She died. Then in Genesis, uh, no, not Genesis, Matthew. Let's. Old Testament, New Testament. Same thing. In Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at Matthew 24. And see what the New Testament here tells us. Matthew 24. Verse 39. Um, let's fetch it from verse 36. But of that day and hour, knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and he knew not until the flood came when Noah was making, building the ark they didn't know what was going to happen they were just, it was business as usual just as it is going to come upon uh, the people of the end time They didn't know that God really was going to send a flood. And so, knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Where did the flood take these people? Took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Where did the flood take them? the antediluvian generation. What did the flood do to them? I'm sure every one of us knows that the flood killed. Every living thing died. All died. They were taken away. They died. Taken away. Died. I will take the desire of your eyes. I will take her away. Died. So, when we come back to that scripture, Genesis, now we can understand very clearly. Genesis 5, verse 24, Enoch walked with God. and he was not for God took him he died he was not He died. God just spoke Enoch out of existence just spoke him out of existence he didn't take him to heaven where he is he didn't take him to third heaven like we, we were saying if he didn't if he himself buried Moses in the land of Moab, in one of the valleys. How come? Is it because Moses was not worthy? And yet the Bible spells out that Moses was one of the meekest men. Is it only Enoch that was worthy? Or Moses also was worthy? So Enoch was not taken to third heaven where God dwells. Enoch was just spoken out of existence. So that settles that. But to nail it further, in the book of Hebrews, line, up, <coughs> line upon line, book of Hebrews, let's turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter. 11, we have the Old Testament worthies, the Hebrew Hall of Fame, Old Testament worthies, many that served God, many that became overcomers, they were tried, they were tested, they went through hardship, they never gave up their faith. They never surrendered. They never blasphemed. Some were tortured. Some did even accept deliverance when they were told, if you can denounce uh, your Savior, you will be safe. They never, men that were tried and passed the test, their names are here. In verse 4, we find Abel. By faith, Abel offered unto God more excellent sacrifice than Cain. We are not going to read all to take a lot of time. Verse 5, we find Enoch, our man. Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased the God. And we would like to explain <clears throat> that a little further. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Not that he never tested death. He never went through the pains of death. Do you know that many people, before they die, they go through a lot of pain. Some of you even want to pray, God, why don't you take this person before they die? Why don't you take him now? A person will go through agony, will go through suffering, will go through pain. You who are well, you look at this person and is really suffering. The pain is going through. Say if it were possible to tell the doctor to inject him uh, or to inject her certain medicine, so that he just rests because the pain, the suffering is too much. Most of the people, that's why how you live your life, <clears throat> how you, li- you have lived your life will be determined by the way you die. Some people, before they die, they will have to go through a lot of suffering. Why? If they have to be in the first resurrection, The scripture says, spiritually prosperous, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death has no power. If you are going to be part of that number that resurrects in the first resurrection or that are part of the first resurrection, Every sin must be taken care of. Every sin that you committed, that you didn't repent. Do you know we live many times and you do something and you don't repent, you deny, you say, I never did that, Pastor. My brother, I didn't do that. My husband, I swear, I didn't do it. As long as you have not confessed that sin, then it is noted. Now when you are about, your days on earth are about to expire, God must take care of. And if you are one of those that are to be in the first resurrection, God must take care of every sin that you didn't confess. You committed that sin, you hid it, you didn't confess it, Probably it was necessary for you to go and confess to the pastor. It was necessary for you to go and confess to your mom, to your dad, to whomsoever you sinned against, if you sinned against a person. And you just say, no, only God. I only confess to God. Sometimes God demands that you confess to the person that you have wronged. Or... He demands that you go and confess to the servant of God. But you didn't. But God has found it worthy for you to be in the first resurrection. Therefore, he must take care of that. How does he take care of that? By you going through suffering before you die. At the time that you are about to die, Now, that's when you go through agony after one agony. One pain after another pain. One suffering after another suffering. You go through pain. That's because you had a lot of unconfessed sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that we have done. Just to go and confess, but you deny. Then when that time, those sins follow, they follow you up to the point that you are going to live. And if you are going to be in the first resurrection, God must take care of that. And so for Enoch, because his life was right, he walked with God. He lived a life that was pleasing to God. That's why he walked with God. You can't walk with God when you are sinning, You can't walk with God when you are rebellious. You can't walk with God when you have a dirty spirit, dirty attitude. You can't walk with God when you are a rebel. You can't. Enoch walked with God. He was living right. And therefore, he did not go through what many of us probably will have to go through, through a lot of Of pain. The pains before he dies. That you have gone. Enoch did not go through that. He just moved from life to death. Never experienced. Not even a single pain. It's like some people. They got sleep. And they die in sleep. Little fellows don't know that they have died. They just wake up. They hear the trump of God. They need to go through pain. Some people just have a little flu, and it takes them. Depending on how you live, then to determine how you die. The way you die tells us how you have lived your life. If we are to be in the first resurrection, there must be no unconfessed and no sin that has not been taken care of. That's why mercy cushions the judgment. When God would have come with the full force, he comes not with that force. But taking care of sin, he does take care. But, if you have shown mercy, we don't want to Digress so much, then you will not have to suffer a lot. So, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. He went from life to no life and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, this is what we have been saying, he had this testimony. That he pleased God. Because of pleasing God, Enoch did not experience suffering. He did not go through pain. God just translated him from life to death. That's it. Like a person that dies in sleep, he doesn't go through pain, he doesn't suffer. He doesn't even know that he has died. No pain at all. What a peaceful way to go. So, to prove that Enoch really died even further, let's continue. Verse 7, we have no. Verse 8, we have Abraham the father of the faithful. Verse 11, we have Sarah. Verse 13, and I hope you, know, you have noticed that Enoch has also been mentioned. Verse 13, these all died in faith, including Enoch that is mentioned. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, including Enoch, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. On the earth. These were men that pleased God. Loved God. For you to confess that you are strangers. We live here as though we are going to be here forever. We want to build mansions. We want to, to enjoy life here. And we want this life to continue permanent. want to work so that we, nobody bothers us. But these new. We are just strangers here. We are just pilgrims. There is a destiny that we have. So, all of those, including Enoch, died. So, taken away, took away, like we have seen in Matthew, all those just means they died. We have proven that scripture by scripture. And now we would like to go back to our lesson. And uh, in this lesson, we shall be going back and forth, back and forth, forwards and backwards, forwards and backwards. But I wanted our people, and especially our young people, when we were dealing with the topic of the resurrection, they were young people, and uh, uh, they didn't know what was going on, and Uh, It has been a a little while, just once in a while we mention about the resurrection, but not to go to the details that we have somehow gone through in this lesson. So it is important we shall be going back, mentioning here and there. We talked about the bride, just to give them uh, an idea as we study this important topic, end time events. And so, we would like to continue. And um, I remember we, we mentioned, like I've said, about the bride. And if we can go to Revelation 14, I was saying we shall go back and forth, back and forth. But let's go to Revelation 14. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads we saw that there 144 overcomers, 144 saints, the bride of Christ, had the Father's name written in their foreheads. Now we need to mention here that both phases of the first resurrection, to remind you a bit, The first resurrection has two phases. The first phase takes in the bride. The second phase takes in another worthy. And there is a a resurrection at that time too. And those that are living. So, the first resurrection, when we say, the first resurrection it has two faces so it is typified in by some kind of first fruits some kind of first fruits there is the first of the first fruits then there is the rest of the first fruits. And uh, let's look at James chapter 1 and verse 18. The first resurrection when it, you go to the Old Testament is typified by the harvest of the first fruits which were taken in two phases. In James chapter 1 and we would like to uh, look at verse 18 of his own will begat hears with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The first resurrection is a kind of first fruits. The bride is the first of the first fruits. The bride is the first of the first fruits. First fruits were gathered two times. It took in the first of the first fruits and then the rest. The second part was the rest of the first fruits. Let's go to Exodus 34. Exodus chapter 34 and verses 26. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring unto the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not seize a kid in the mother's milk. We want interested more of the first fruits. The bride is the first of the first fruits, and it is very clear here that the first of the first fruits were brought into the house of the Lord. These first of the first fruits will have celestial celestial bodies. Their celestial bodies are not earthly. They are heavenly bodies. And most of us know they will have immortality. The bride of Christ, there are 144,000 Will be mortals. They will have heavenly bodies, never dying bodies. So these will receive celestial bodies. In the first Corinthians, chapter fifteen, gives us an idea of that. Let's turn to First Corinthians chapter 15 verses let's start with verse 39 going up to verse 40 all flesh is not the same flesh but there is one kind of flesh of men another flesh of beasts another flesh Another, sorry, of fishes and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Terrestrial is a it is not heavenly. So, the first of the first fruits, which is the bride of Christ, which is the 144,000 uh, overcomers, will have celestial bodies. Now, the, the Bible has given us the number of the first of the first fruits which is the bride of Christ why has it given us a number it's not jumps it's not just haphazard no everything God does has a purpose why does he give us a number of the first of the first fruits why is the number Given, We are going slowly so that we can get to the point. Why is the number given? In biblical times, the firstborn were numbered. Bible times, the firstborn were numbered. That's why this is not just incidental, but there is a purpose. God does his things according to his plan. So in the Bible times, biblical times the firstborn were numbered while the rest of Israel was not numbered. The rest of the children of Israel were not numbered. Let's come to Numbers chapter three. Numbers. Chapter three and verses uh, forty to numbers three, verses uh, forty to forty two. And the Lord said unto Moses, Number all the firstborn of the males of the children of Israel from a month old and upward and take the number of their names. And thou shalt take the Levites for me, I am the Lord. Instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel and the cattle of the Levites instead of all the firstlings among the cattle of the children of Israel. And Moses numbered as the Lord commanded him all the firstborn among the children of Israel. So the firstborns were numbered. When David numbered all Israel he got into serious trouble. This was contrary to the command of the Lord. Nowhere did the Lord command that the rest of Israel be numbered. Only the firstborn were numbered. And so David got into trouble when he numbered the first I mean the rest of Israel. First Chronicles if we can look at First Chronicles 21 Let's look at First Chronicles 21 verse 1 And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel The devil, our adversary, the accuser of our brethren, that roaring lion, the accuser of our brethren, provoked David to number Israel. He really uh, influenced David to do a wrong thing. He made David sin against God. So, it is very clear here, it is the devil that influenced David to number, prevailed over David to number Israel. So, only the bride of Christ is numbered. These numbered ones are the firstborn from among men. Just like we saw in Numbers chapter 3 and uh, verse 40. We looked at that. Then another scripture we can look at is Romans 8 and verse 29. Romans 8 and verse 29. For whom he did for foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The firstborn among many brethren. So the firstborn is what typical of the bride of Christ. The firstborn were typical of the bride of Christ of Christ. Exodus twenty three. Exodus twenty three and verse nineteen. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not see. we looked at it. But uh, the firstborn were a type of the bride of Christ. And... Uh, in Exodus 23, which we have just read, the sheaf of the first fruit used in the wave offerings. Time would fail us to go into the studies of the various uh, offerings of the Lord, but uh, there were wave offerings. There was a wave offering and the sheaf of the first fruit used in the wave offering before the Lord is not representative of all the first fruits to be gathered in. That sheaf was not representing all the first fruits. That sheaf represented the first of the first fruit which of course is the bride of christ so the general in the gathering of the first fruits was to come in later or it came in at a later date but there was a shift And that was of the first, that sheep was the first of the first fruits. Then the rest of the first fruits were gathered in later. Permit me to mention something here. Many of us are born again Christians. And we say, well, we are under grace. We are not under law. And somehow we see the reading or the studying of the Old Testament as something not relevant to our times or to our faith since we are under grace. We don't take time to read the Old Testament, study the Old Testament. We say there is no relevancy in uh, reading the Old Testament To our faith, it doesn't make much sense. The truth of the matter is, if you have a clear understanding of the Old Testament, understanding the New Testament will be a lot easier. There are so many types and shadows in the Old Testament that are revealed in the New Testament. Like it has been said, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So it's important. Now here we see a harvest. There is a sheaf. The first of the first fruits and it has meaning that was a type and it is revealed to us now in the new testament then the rest harvest harvesting the the rest of the in the gathering of the first fruits it has a meaning it represents the second phase of the first resurrection so There were two gatherings of the first fruits. That was taking in the first of the first fruits and then the rest of the first fruits. That is in the Old Testament, but it it, it was a type of something that we are now learning in the New Testament. Time has, has always caught us up, But we are still here. We shall continue. I would like to let you know that uh, the local assembly here has also talked to the pastor's wife, uh, Sister Mamie, to say something to the ladies. And uh, you will be told by our media team when she will be Saying something to our sisters, it's a hard time this COVID-19 has really inconvenienced us in that we are not able to meet and wouldn't like people to really forget the things of God. Really, we would like to keep the saints of God and uh, have a, a relationship not only with one another but uh, with God so there will be uh, Sister Meme talking t- something to our sisters, and you will be informed by the media team, just follow us on Facebook or YouTube, and you will get an opportunity to hear my wife speaking, Sister Meme. I hope, if you are interested, I hope she will be a blessing to you, we pray. That the Lord touches a hand, she speaks something that will be blessing to you. I'll be continuing with this lesson. In fact, we haven't gone. Uh, we have said a lot of things because of our young people. We want them to understand the message in the body of Christ, the message in this fellowship, so that things don't take them unawares but we are going slowly for their sake and also for the sake of our brothers and sisters in our rural areas I have to go slow slow and I have to say over and over and over so that they can get what we are talking about the body of Christ a soul is a soul whether it is in the city Whether it is in the village, a soul is a soul. Whether that soul is in the village, it's still a soul. Whether it is in the city, it's still a soul. We treasure all. Thank you for listening. The Lord bless you.